ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد ستكونتينيو ويز بلوغ المرام اوف الحافظ ابن حجر Rahimallah ta'ala, we're now in the chapter Bab Izalatin Najasa wa Bayanuha. The chapter concerning the removal of impurities and an explanation of that. I.e. the chapter of the removing of the impurity and an explanation of that. So here it's going to speak about certain types of things that are impure, certain types of things which are haram. And those are going to be mentioned in the different ahadith of this chapter. The first hadith is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik. Radiallahu anhu qal, Su'ila Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anil khamar tuttakhadu khallan qal, la. Akhrajahu muslim wa tirmidiyu wa qal, hasanun sahih. Wa anhu radiallahu anhu qal, lamma kana yawma khaybar, لما كان يوم خيبر أمر رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أبا طلحة فنادى إن الله ورسوله ينهيانكم عن لحوم الحمر الأهلية فإنها رجس متفق عليه وعن عمر بن خارج رضي الله عنه قال خطبنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بمنا وهو على راحلته ولعابها يسيل على كتفي أخرجه أحمد والترمذي وصحها these are the first three ahadith which are mentioned in this chapter. The first one is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik where the Prophet ﷺ was asked about making vinegar out of alcohol, about the permissibility or impermissibility of making vinegar out of alcohol. So the Prophet ﷺ said, no, that that is not permissible. The second hadith also of Anas ibn Malik that when it was the day of Khaybar, the Prophet ﷺ commanded Abu Talha and he shouted out or he called amongst the people that indeed Allah and His Messenger, inna Allah wa Rasulahu yanhayanikum anahum al-humar al-ahliya, that Allah and His Messenger, they prohibit you from eating the meat of domesticated donkeys. They prohibit you from eating the meat of domesticated donkeys. فَإِنَّهَا رِجْزْ for indeed they are impure. Muttafakun alayh. That is agreed upon by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And the third hadith of Amr ibn Kharija radiallahu anhu said that the Prophet sallallahu he gave us a speech, he gave us a khutbah, he addressed us and that was in Mina. Whilst the Prophet sallallahu was sat upon his riding animal, upon his camel. And the saliva of the camel, it was falling onto his shoulders. So what do these ahadith mean now? That's what we look at in detail with regards to these narrations. Firstly, the shaykh says, Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, hafizahullah ta'ala, لَمَّا كَانَتِ الطَّهَارَةُ لِلصَّلَاةِ مَطْلُوبَةِ مِنَ الْحَدَثِ وَمِنَ النَّجَاسَةِ نَاسَبَ أَنْ يَعْقِدَ الْمُصَنِّفُ هَذَا الْبَابِ وَهُوَ بَابُ إِزَالَةِ النَّجَاسَةِ يعني من أجل الصلاة إزالتها عن البدن والثوب والبقعة The Shaykh said that because purification is something which is required for the prayer to be upon a state of purification is something that is required for the prayer to be upon a state of purification from the things that break a person's wudu or from the impurities. And that's why it was befitting for Al-Hafid ibn Hajar to mention this chapter here. To mention this chapter to explain to you how to remove those impurities to prepare yourself for the prayer. Because indeed for the prayer, you need to be upon that purification. Whether it is purification of your physical body or it is purification of your clothes or even if it is purification of the area where you're going to pray, then purification is required in all of those aspects for the prayer. And that is why this chapter is mentioned here, in order to explain 
what the person who wants to pray needs to do, what is required of him, what is a condition upon him to prepare himself for the prayer. How to remove these impurities to be ready for the prayer. لِأَنَّ الْمُصَلِّيَ يَشْتَرَطُ يُشْتَرَطُ أَنْ يَكُونَ طَاهِرًا مِنْ الْحَجَثِ وَطَاهِرًا مِنْ النَّجَاسَةِ فِي بَدَنِهِ وَفِي ثَوْبِهِ وَفِي الْبُقَعَ الَّتِي يُصَلِّ عَلَيْهَا بِأَدِلَّةٍ كَثِيرًا Because there are many evidences that prove the person who wants to pray, he must be pure in his body and his clothes and the area where he's going to pray. All of that must be pure for him to be able to pray. And there are many evidences that indicate that. Who can think of an evidence that we've already done, which proves one of those aspects, that a person who's praying needs to be upon purification of his body, his clothes, or the area that he prays on. There's one evidence we've already done which proves one of those points. One hadith that we've already done. We've done 20 hadith now approximately. And remember, we said that you should be memorizing the hadith. So which hadith did we mention already where it shows that purification is required for the prayer? It was about purification of the area that you're going to pray on. When the Bedouin urinated. When the Bedouin urinated, the Arabi who came, That Arabi person, he came, and like the Bedouin person, he came, and he urinated in a corner of the masjid. So what did the Prophet ﷺ do? So he told the companions to bring some water and to pour it over that area. Why? In order to purify that area from the urine. In order to clean and cleanse and purify that area from the urine which was on it now. So that indicates that the area that you pray on needs to be pure. Because that was a part of the masjid. Maybe somebody will come and pray on that area. That's why it needed to be purified. So that's one evidence already gone by which indicates that the area that you're praying on needs to be pure. Uh, also, وَمِنْهَا أَنَّ رَسُولَ بَيْنَمَا كَانَ يُصَلِّي ذَاتَ يَوْمٍ عَلَيْهِ عَالَهُمْ فَلَمَّا سَلَّمَ بَيَّنَ لَهُمْ there's another narration where the Prophet ﷺ, he was praying with his shoes on. Because as it's known, it's permissible to pray with your shoes on. It is allowed and it is a sunnah act to pray with your shoes on. So sometimes when an individual is praying, then he should pray with his shoes on. And that is something which is permissible and it is something which is allowed in the sunnah. And this is something the Prophet ﷺ did himself. So maybe for example, one day, uh, if you're at home praying the nawafil, for example, or the rawatib, then you can pray with your shoes on. Do it with your shoes on so that you implement this sunnah of praying with your shoes on also. And there's a book by Sheikh Mukbil, rahimahullah ta'ala, and he spoke about this issue about praying with the shoes on, and he mentioned the evidences, and that is something which is correct and authentic to do. So on this one occasion, the Prophet ﷺ was praying with his shoes on. However, whilst he was praying, in the middle of the prayer, he took them off. And so the companions who were praying behind him, who were also praying with their shoes on, they took their shoes off too. Because they saw the Imam, the Prophet ﷺ, in front of them. He took his shoes off. So they who were following him, the companions behind him, they saw that, and they also did that too. Then at the end of the prayer, the Prophet ﷺ explained to them, he said, Jibreel ﷺ came to him during the prayer, and he explained to him, he clarified to him, he told him that there was some impurity on the shoes. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ removed those shoes. Because Jibreel came and told him there's some impurity on them. That proves therefore that the clothes that you are wearing must be upon purity for you to pray in them. Because here now the shoes had some impurity in them. And so the Prophet ﷺ removed them when he was informed that there is an impurity upon them. So that is an evidence that indicates the clothes that you're wearing must be pure. Just like the hadith of the Bedouin who urinated in the masjid indicates that the place where you pray on must be pure. And also, وَقَدْ أَمَرَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ الْمَرْأَةَ أَلَّتِي يُسِيبُ دَمُ الْحَيْضِ فَوْبَهَا أَمَرَهَا أَنْ تَغْسِلَهُ 
Also in some narrations which we're going to see later on, the Prophet ﷺ, he commanded the women who from their monthly cycle, from the uh, period, perhaps some of the blood, it goes onto their clothes. So there is a narration which we're going to come to inshallah later on, where the Prophet ﷺ commanded those women to uh, purify those clothes from that blood. To purify those clothes from that blood, to clean those clothes from that blood, uh, in order that they can then pray in them. So that indicates again, about having the purification of the clothes. Or in fact, the body. If it went upon your body, then also you'd have to purify any impurity from your body. If you had urine on there, or you had some feces or something which was impure, then you'd have to purify that before the prayer. So this is why this chapter is here now. To explain how to remove these impurities. Um, then the Shaykh explains something which we briefly touched on before already. Al-Najasa ala qismain. Al-Qismu al-Awwal, Najasatun ayniyyah la yumkin izalatuha. Kanajasat al-Kalb wal-Khinzir wa Najasat al-Bawl wal-Ghaiq. Hadihi Najasa ayniyyah. Falaw ghusil al-Kalb aw al-Khinzir iddat marrat. لا يمكن أن تزول منه النجاسة لأنها عينية. One type of najasa, one type of impurity, is an impurity which is from the essence of that thing. An impurity which is from the essence of that thing. It is from the actual item itself. The item itself from its essence is impure. Meaning that even if you were to wash it, you would not be able to remove that impurity. For example, pigs. A pig is impure from its essence. It in of itself is impure. So even if you wash the pig lots and lots of times, many times wash the pig, it is still impure at the end of the day. That pig cannot be purified. That's what they refer to as an impurity which is from the essence of that thing. It is from the actual item in of itself. The second type, Al-Qism al-Thani, Najasa Hukmiya. Wahiya Najasa al-Lati tatra'u ala mahallin tahir, kallati taqa'u ala thawb, or ala al-badan, or ala al-ard, wahiya al-maqsuda fi hadha al-bab. The second type of impurity is an impurity which is in the, in the, the ruling upon it. With regards to the ruling upon it, it is an impurity. Meaning that something can be pure, but something falls onto it to make it impure. You have something, some clothes that are pure. Then some impurity falls onto those clothes and makes them impure. Now if you wash them, then will the impurity go away or not? It will go away, so you can make it pure again. That's the second type, and that's the type of impurity that this chapter is about. Those impurities that they can occur... But then afterwards, you can get rid of them by taking certain means to remove those impurities. That's the type of impurities we're speaking about here. Not the impurities that are impure from their essence, like pigs. Even if you wash them, you can't remove the impurity. We're not talking about those types of impurities. Here in this chapter, we're talking about impurities that can be removed. They can be washed, they can be purified. For example, an impurity that goes on your clothes or it goes on your body, or it goes on the ground. You can wash it away, you can clean it away. That's what we're speaking about. What does it mean to remove that impurity? Meaning to remove it, and to expel it, and to get rid of it. That's what we mean by removing the impurity. To get rid of that impurity, to finish that impurity off. بأن تغسل حتى لا يبقى لها أثر من لون أو طعم أو ريح. By washing that area on the body or the clothes or the earth or the ground, by washing that area up until that impurity no longer exists. So the smell of it no longer exists, the color of it no longer exists, the taste of it no longer exists. So you purify it away, you get rid of it by washing it. هذا معنى إزالة النجاسة وإنما تزال النجاسة بالماء لا بغيره. And an impurity is removed by water, not by other things. You don't use other chemicals. 
water is the basis for removing these impurities. لِأَنَّ الْمَاءَ هُوَ That is the basis of purification. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Anfal, وَيَنَزِّلُ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَا أَن لِيُطَهِّرَكُمْ بِهِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends or um, causes the rain to descend from the sky uh, in order to purify you. So the water, that is the basis of purification. Also in Surah Al-Furqan, ayah number 48, وَأَنزَلْنَا مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَا أَن And we have uh, caused water to descend from the sky, which is مَا أَن It is a water which is purifying. A water that can be used for purification. فَالطَّهَارَ إِنَّمَا تَحْصُلُوا بِالْمَاءِ So purification, it occurs by means of only water. فَلَوْ أُزِيلَةِ النَّجَاسَ بِغَيْرِ الْمَاءِ مِنَ السَّوَائِلِ الْأُخْرَى فَإِنَّ هَذَا لَا يَكْفِي بَلْ إِنَّهُ لَا بُدَّ مِنْ إِزَالَتِهَا بِالْمَاءِ So the shaykh says, if some impurity was removed by other chemicals, other liquids, it would not be sufficient. You would have to use some water. So now that's the introduction to this chapter. We go into the first hadith. The hadith of Anas radiallahu anhu where he says that the Prophet sallallahu was asked about making vinegar from alcohol. So the Prophet sallallahu said that that is not permissible. He said, لا, no, you cannot make vinegar from alcohol. Al-khamar yuradu biha al-muskir. The khamar, the alcohol, what's intended by that is the one that intoxicates. The alcohol that intoxicates. Why is khamar called khamar? What does khamar mean in the Arabic language? Does anyone know why you call khamar khamar? Here the Shaykh explains, سُمِّيَتْ خَمَرًا لِأَنَّهَا تُخَامِرُ الْعَقَلِ وَتُغَطِّيهِ مِنَ التَّخْمِيرِ وَهُوَ التَّغْطِيَةِ The word khamar, it comes from التَّخْمِيرِ which means تَغْطِيَةِ which means to cover something up. So alcohol, these intoxicants, when people drink them, what does it do? It covers up their mind. They become drunk. They can't see properly. They can't speak properly. They can't walk properly. They become drunk. Their mind becomes covered up. That's what alcohol does. Alcohol, it covers up their senses. It covers up their mind. And that's what the word khamar means in the Arabic language. Something which covers up. That's why the women, when they wear that clothing, it's called khimar. Because it covers up. From the same type of word. That's what this word means in the Arabic language. We know about alcohol, these intoxicants, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made them impermissible, haram. Wallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala harram al-khamra fi muhkam al-tanzil. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made that impermissible in the revelation. وحرمها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في الأحاديث الصحيحة. And the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم has made alcohol, these intoxicants, impermissible in many authentic ahadith. ومن ذلك قوله تعالى في سورة المائدة وَهِيَا مِنْ آخِرِ مَا نَزَلُ And from these prohibitions is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Ma'idah and it is from the final uh, revelations. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِنَّمَا الْخَمْرُ وَالْمَيْسِرُ وَالْأَنْسَابُ وَالْأَزْلَامُ رِجْسٌ مِّنْ عَمَلِ الشَّيْطَانِ فَاجْتَنِبُوهُ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَوْ يُهُ بَلِيفُ and as we've mentioned previously, some of the salaf, they used to say, when you see an ayah that starts with, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, then pay extra attention. Listen very carefully. Because it's either going to be a commandment that Allah is commanding you with, or a prohibition that Allah is preventing you from. So here it's a prohibition. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, innama al-khamru. That indeed, this khamar, these intoxicants, this alcohol, and then other things are mentioned also, wal-maysar, wal-ansar, wal-aslam, all of them are rijs. They are all impure. Min amali shaitan. From the work of the shaitan. Fajtanibuh. So stay well away from it. La'allakum tuflihun. So that you might be successful. 
So here, there, the point of the ayah being the khamar, the alcohol, the intoxicants, that they are haram. Then we also know that the way alcohol was made impermissible, the intoxicants, how they were made impossible or impermissible. The Shaykh mentions, وَلَمَّا نَزَلَ تَحْرِيمُ الْخَمَرِ أَمَرَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَسَلَّمُ بِدُنَانِهَا فَشَقَّتْ وَسَالَتْ فِي الْأَسْوَاقِ إِهْدَارًا لَهَا لِأَنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّمَهَا وَالْمَعْرُوفِ فِي تَحْرِيمِ الْخَمَرِ أَنَّهُ كَانَ عَلَى مَرَاحِلِ لِأَنَّ النَّاسَ فِي الْجَاهِلِيَّ كَانُوا مُفْرِطِينَ فِي شُرْبِهَا وَمُدْمِنِينَ عَلَيْهَا فَكَانَ أَوَّلُ مَا نَزَلَ فِي تَحْرِيمِهَا Here in this section now the Shaykh explains that when alcohol was made impermissible, it was made impermissible in stages. Intoxicants, alcohol, they were made impermissible in stages. Not in one go, in stages. So the f- because... In Jahiliyyah, the people, they were addicted to alcohol. They were addicted to alcohol. They used to drink it all the time. So it was made impermissible in stages. Firstly, it was said, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْخَمْرِ وَالْمَيْسِرِ قُلْ فِيهِمَا إِثْمٌ كَبِيرٌ وَمَنَافِعُ لِلنَّاسِ وَإِثْمُهُمَا أَكْبَرُ مِنْ نَفْعِهِمَا This ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah, where it says that they ask you about the alcohol. والمَيْسِر. Maysir, like the type of gambling. They ask you about these things, about alcohol. قُلْ فِيهِمَا إِثْمٌ كَبِيرٌ Say to them, there is a great sin in those things. وَمَنَافِعُ لِلنَّاسِ And there are some benefits for the people. وَإِثْمُهُمَا أَكْبَرُ مِنْ نَفْعِهِمَا And their evil and their sin is greater than the benefit. That was the first ayah revealed. ثُمَّ قَوْلُهُ تَعَالَى Then the statement of Allah was revealed in the next stage. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَقْرَبُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَأَنْتُمْ سُكَارًا حَتَّى تَعْلَمُوا مَا تَقُولُونَ O you who believe, then do not come close to the prayer, do not attend the prayer whilst you are intoxicated. حَتَّى تَعْلَمُوا مَا تَقُولُونَ Until you know what you are saying. Don't come to the prayer intoxicated, you don't even know what you're saying. So then, the prohibition was specifically at the times of the prayers. Then the prohibition was made at the times of the prayers. You couldn't drink and come to the prayer. حَرَّمَهَا فِي وَقْتِ الصَّلَاةِ ثُمَّ لَمَّا كَانَتِ الصَّلَوَاتُ الْخَمْسِ فِي الْيَوْمِ وَالْلَيْلَ وَلَا تَدَعَ كَثِيرًا مِنَ الْوَقْتِ لِتَنَاوُلِهَا خَفَّتْ حِدَّتُهَا عَلَيْهِمْ وَتَعُودُوا عَلَى تَرْكِهَا Then, because the prayers were five times in the day and they are close to each other, it doesn't leave you much time to drink in between anyway. So the people slowly, they became accustomed, they became uh, used to not drinking alcohol slowly. Because the times of the prayers, it was prohibited for them to drink. And the prayers are five times in the day. There wasn't much time left to drink anyway. So slowly they became used to not drinking alcohol. Uh, so they became used to not drinking it. They became used to leaving it. Some of them, they left these intoxicants completely. ثُمَّ أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ الْآيَةَ الَّتِي فِي سُورَةِ الْمَائِدَةِ Then Allah revealed the ayah which is Surah Al-Ma'idah فَكَانَ تَحْرِيمُ النِّهَائِ فِي كُلِّ الْأَوْقَاتِ And in that surah, in that ayah, the final prohibition which was a complete prohibition came about. So you see how these stages were implemented in making alcohol impermissible. That you had a stage where it was only at the times of the prayers. And then after that you had a stage where it was at all times. So it was moved up in this way and alcohol was made impermissible. So now in this hadith when the Prophet ﷺ was asked about alcohol, about these intoxicants, yeah, meaning after they'd be made impermissible. This hadith is after alcohol had been made impermissible. That's when this hadith occurred. So the people that came to the Prophet ﷺ after alcohol had been made impermissible, and they said to the Prophet ﷺ, "Can you make alcohol out of vinegar? Uh, can you make vinegar out of alcohol? Hal yajuzu an tuhawal ila khal? Can you transform alcohol into vinegar? Uh, and vinegar, everybody knows what vinegar is. The Sheikh mentions al khal huwa al asir al hamid min al inab or min ghairihi." That uh, this uh, vinegar, it is the 
the, the acidic or the alkaline type of drink which comes, or liquid which comes from uh, grapes or other than that, after the fermentation occurs, when you leave them to, uh, you leave them to uh, ripen, and then eventually this vinegar comes out of them. Um, then there are some other rulings which are mentioned about it. وَيُشْتَرَطُ فِي الْعَصِيرِ أَنْ لَا يَبْقَى أَكْثَرَ مِنْ ثَلَاثَةِ أَيَّامِ لِأَنَّهُ يَتَخَمَّرُ These types of uh, grapes and things, you cannot leave it to ferment, you cannot leave it to uh, ripen, etc., the fermentation process, for more than three days. Because then it will start to become intoxicating. وَلِهَذَا كَانَ النَّبِيَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ يَأْمُرُ بِالنَّبِيذِ إِذَا كَانَ لَهُ ثَلَاثَةَ أَيَّامِ فَيُهْرَاقُ So if the liquid had been sitting there for more than three days, then the Prophet ﷺ would command for it to be uh, thrown away. Because after that, it can become alcohol. Even this issue now, it will come in more detail later on. But here the point is about the alcohol. So when alcohol was made impermissible, the people asked him, even though it's impermissible, can we change it and make it into vinegar though? So the Prophet ﷺ said, that that is not permissible. That it is not permissible to keep alcohol in order to change it into vinegar. Rather, you have to get rid of alcohol straight away. So in this hadith, there are certain issues. One of them is, Al-Mas'ala Al-Ula Tahreem Al-Khamar The impermissibility of alcohol, this intoxicant. This is by the Quran and the Sunnah and the consensus of the scholars that alcohol is impermissible. So the one who claims the permissibility of alcohol, then that is a kafir. He's an apostate. The one who claims that he believes the permissibility of alcohol. This is impermissible by the Quran and the Sunnah and the consensus of the scholars. As for, As if somebody drinks alcohol and he knows it's impermissible. But because of his soul, the weakness, the desires, the shaitan whispering, he follows those desires and he drinks the alcohol even though he knows it's impermissible. Then that person you don't say is a kafir, he's a, a fasiq. He's a sinner for doing what he has done. Because he has done a major sin. That's a major sin to drink alcohol, so he must be whipped. He must be whipped. How many times does a person drink alcohol get whipped? 80, this mentioned 80, and there are some narrations that even mention 40. 40 and 80, these are mentioned about the whipping of the individual who drinks alcohol. Al-Mas'ala al-Thaniya, fi al-Hadith dalilun ala wujub itlafiha wa adam imsaakiha hatta tuhawwalu ila khal. It also indicates that it is impermissible to keep alcohol and use it to transfer it or to change it over into vinegar. It shows that if you have alcohol, you have to get rid of it straight away. It's not permissible to keep it, to change it into a vinegar. يَجِبُ نَعَمْ لِأَنَّهَا مَادَّ خَبِيثًا Because it is an evil, an impure type of uh, liquid or chemical. بَلْ هِيَ أُمُّ الْخَبَائِثِ It is the greatest of the evil and these impure and these uh, impure types of things. It is the head of them. And the Prophet ﷺ, he cursed ten different types of people with regards to alcohol. He cursed alcohol in of itself. And he cursed the one who drinks it. And the one who pours it. And the one who like makes it and squeezes it. The one who then also takes that, the process of making alcohol. These are linked to the process of making alcohol. وَحَامِلُهَا And the one who carries it. 
وَالْمَحْمُولَ إِلَيْهِ And the one who it is being carried to. وَبَائِعُهَا And the one who sells it. وَمُبْتَاعَهَا And the one who buys it. وَآكِلُ ثَمَنَهَا And the one who benefits from the profit of selling alcohol. All of these different ones are mentioned to be from those who are cursed by the Prophet ﷺ with regards to alcohol. So we know you have to get rid of alcohol. It's not permissible to keep it or use it. المسألة الثالثة وهي التي ساق المصنف الحديث من أجلها. The third issue is the reason why this hadith is here. This is the important issue to this chapter. في باب إزالة النجاسة أن في الحديث الدلالة على نجاسة الخمر. This hadith it is an indication within it that khamar it is impure. That's what the hadith indicates that alcohol it is impure. فَإِذَا أَصَابَتِ الثَّوْبِ أَوْ أَصَابَتِ الْبَدْنِ أَوْ الْبُقْعَةِ يَجِبُ غُصْلُ مَا أَصَابَتُهُ So if this alcohol falls on your clothes or on your body or on the ground, then you have to wash that area where it has fallen. فَإِذَا نَعَمْ كَمَا أَنَّهُ يَدُلُّ أَيْضًا عَلَى نَجَاسَةِ الْخَمَرِ قَوْلُهُ تَعَالَى رِجْسٌ مِنْ عَمَلِ الشَّيْطَانِ Just like the ayah in Surah Al-Ma'idah where it says, رِجْسٌ مِنْ عَمَلِ الشَّيْطَانِ It is impure from the work of the shaytan. That indicates to you that alcohol is also impure. Warrijs, the word which is mentioned in the ayah, that means najis. It means impure. Fadalla ala anna al-khamar najisa. So it indicates that the khamar, the alcohol is impure. Lianna Allah sammaha rijsan. Because Allah said and called it rijs, which is najis, impure. Wa kadalika qal fajtanibuhu. So stay well away from it. Refrain from it. وَالْإِجْتِنَابِ يَقْتَضِي عَدَمْ مُمَاسَتَهَا وَمُلَامَسَتُهَا وَمُصَاحَبَتُهَا And staying away from it, it necessitates that you do not touch it, that you don't have any contact with it. So all of that again indicates that it is impure. فَدَلَّ عَلَى أَنَّهَا نَجِسَةً Therefore, based upon that, الشيخ صالح الفوزان mentions here that it is not permissible, لا يجوز التداوي به it is not permissible to use alcohol for medicinal, for medicinal purposes. It is not permissible to use alcohol for medicinal purposes. وَلَا يَجُوزَ التَّطَيُّبْ بِهِ إِذَا كَانَ مَادَّةُ طِيبٍ And it is not permissible to use it in fragrances, sprays and fragrances that have alcohol in. Not permissible to use them uh, based upon these narrations. That's what the Shaykh, he mentions there. المسألة الرابعة فيه دليل على أن الخمر لا يمكن تطهيرها. There is an evidence here in these ahadith which indicates that it is not possible to purify alcohol. No one can say that I've cleaned it, I've put water into it, and I've purified it. You cannot purify alcohol. لأن الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم نهى عن تخليلها. Because the Prophet forbade, he prohibited that you keep the alcohol to change it over into vinegar. He forbade that to occur, which indicates that you can't purify it. You can't say, I'm going to leave the alcohol to ferment until it becomes vinegar, and now it's not alcohol anymore, so it's okay. The hadith indicates that is not possible. So the fact that you are not allowed to change the alcohol into vinegar indicates that this is a najasa ainiya. It is impure from its essence, and you cannot alternate that or change that into a different form to make it pure. So here now the Shaykh says, the next bit here, وَمِنَ الْعُلَمَا مَنْ ذَهَبَ أَنَّ الْخَمْرَ لَيْسَتْ نَجِسَةً There are some scholars that say that alcohol is not impure. There are some scholars that say that alcohol is not impure. وَأَنَّ الْمُسْكِرْ لَيْسَ نَجِسًا بَلْ هُوَ حَرَامٌ And so they said that this uh, intoxicant is not impure, the liquid isn't impure, but it is haram. وَيُحَدُّ مَنْ شَرِبَهُ And you still have to give the punishment for the one who drinks it. وَيُقْتَلُ مَنْ اسْتَبَاحَهُ And you kill the one who considers it to be permissible. ثُمَّ إِنَّهُمْ يَقُولُونَ هِيَ لَيْسَتْ نَجِسًا But they say it is not impure. لِأَنَّهُ لَيْسَ مِنْ لَازِمِ التَّحْرِيمِ النَّجَاسَةِ They say it is not a necessity that if something is haram, it must be impure. It is not a necessity. أَمَّا الْعَقْسِ فَصَحِيحِ فَإِنَّ مِنْ لَازِمِ النَّجَاسَةِ التَّحْرِيمِ 
If something is impure, it must be haram. But just because something is haram, doesn't always mean it must be impure. You understand that? If something is impure, it must be haram. Impure things are haram. But if something is haram, it doesn't always mean that it's impure. There are some things which are haram that are not impure. So it doesn't always mean it's impure. نعم, كل نجس فهو حرام هذا بالإجماع. لكن ليس كل حرام نجس إلا بدليل. هذه وجهة نظر فريق من العلماء والجمهور على أنها نجسة لما تقدم بيانه. That's one group of the scholars who said that alcohol in of itself, the liquid alcohol, isn't impure. So if it gets any clothes and things, it's not impure. Some of the scholars, they said that. But the majority of the scholars, they say it is impure because of these ahadith, and therefore you have to wash it and, get, and clean it and purify it. The second one, al-hadith al-thani, وَعَنْهُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ قَالَ يَوْمَ خَيْبَرْ خيبر اسمه حسن من حصون اليهود شمالي المدينة It is a name of a fortress from the fortresses of the Jews to the north of Medina فيه مزارع وفيه نخيل And there are agricultural land and fields in that area and trees, pine trees, not pine trees what do you call the trees? Uh, date, date, the date palms. The date palms and these types of trees. And it is still called that same name now. Khaybar. And there is a, 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 a city by the name of Khaybar now. That's what it's known by. And the Sheikh explains what this place Khaybar is like in uh, Saudi Arabia. But غزاها النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعد صلح الهديبية. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he went and he fought and he attacked that place after the agreement of الهديبية. وقد كان سكانها من اليهود. And the people who used to live there they were the Jews. الذين اجتمعوا فيها هم ويهود المدينة على معادات النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. Because those Jews and the Jews of Medina they had gathered upon the enmity against the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. وَقَدْ حَاصَرَهَا النَّبِيُّ صلى الله عليه وَفَتَحَهَا اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَى يَدْ عَلِيَ بْنَ بِطَالِبْ حَيْثُ عَاطَاهُ الرَّايَ وَقَالَ لَهُ أُنْفُضْ عَلَى رِسْلِكَ The hadith is famous about when they went to Khaybar, the Muslims, they went to uh, Khaybar to uh, conquer the Jews there. When they went, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, لَأُعْطِيَنَّ الرَّايَ غَدًا رَجُلًا يُحِبُّ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَيُحِبُّهُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ That I'm going to give the flag, the flag of the army, the leadership of the army to a man who loves Allah and his messenger. And Allah and his messenger love him. Allah and his messenger love him also. So that night all of the companions they were discussing who is it going to be. They all wanted to be that person. They all wanted to be the one who the Prophet was saying Allah loves them and the messenger loves them. To the extent that Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he said that I never wanted to have position or authority or to be the leader ever, except on that one night. I wanted to be the one who was chosen because I would have the testification of the Prophet that this is a man who Allah loves and his messenger loves. But then what happened the next day? All of them, they went to the Prophet early in the morning to find out who's going to be given the flag. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Aina Ali? Aina Ali ibn Abi Talib? Where is Ali ibn Abi Talib? So they said that, huwa yashtaki aynayhi. He has a problem in his eyes. He had a problem, Ali ibn Abi Talib, in his eyes. Initially, when the Muslims had left Medina to go to Khaybar, Ali ibn Abi Talib anhu had stayed behind because of this illness in his eyes. But then afterwards, when the Muslims left, Ali ibn Abi Talib, it was too much burden. He couldn't stay behind. He couldn't stop himself from going. It was too difficult. So he left. Even with the problem in his eyes, he went and he caught up with the rest of them. So then they went and they came with Ali ibn Abi Talib. They called him. And so the Prophet ﷺ, he did a small spittle. Not a small spittle. Into the eyes of Ali ibn Abi Talib. And he made dua for him. And his eyes were cured. His eyes were cured. And then the Prophet ﷺ gave him the flag. And he said to him, Unfud ala rislik. 
Go there methodically and slowly and carefully. And when you get there, then call them to La ilaha illallah first. And then after that, uh, what will occur will occur. So this is the narration of that Khaybar. في هذا اليوم الذي هو يوم حصار خيبر أمر النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أبا طلحة الأنصاري واسمه زيد بن سهل On that day when they were going to attack خيبر The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم He commanded Abu Talha الأنصاري And his name is Zayd ibn سهل وهو صحابي جليل المشهور He is a great companion famous وهو زوج أم سليم والدة أنس بن مالك And he was the husband of Umm Sulaym Who was the mother of Anas ibn Malik Khadim Rasulullah The Prophet commanded him to shout out amongst the people with a high voice, with a raised voice, Inna Allah wa Rasulahu yanhayanikum an luhum al-humar al-ahliya. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger, they are prohibiting you from eating the meat of domesticated donkeys. Domesticated donkeys that live amongst you, they are tamed, they are trained. Those domesticated donkeys, it is impermissible to eat their meat. وَهَذَا خِلَافِ الْحُمْرَ الْوَحْشِيَّةِ فَهِيَ حَلَالٌ وَطَاهِرَةٌ And this is not the same as the uh, wild donkeys. Those donkeys that live out in the wild, those types of wild donkeys, then they are permissible to eat. This is referring to domesticated donkeys. أَمَّا الْحُمُرَ الْأَهْلِيَّةِ فَإِنَّهَا حَرَامٌ لِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ وَغَيْرُهُ As for the domesticated donkeys, they are impermissible because of this hadith and other hadith. فَإِنَّهَا رِجْسٌ Because they are impure. وَكَانُوا أَصَابَهُمْ مَجَاعَ فِي هَذِي الْغَزْوَةِ And there was a famine that occurred in this battle. They ran out of food. فَكَانُوا يَأْكُلُونَ الْحُمُرَ وَيَتْبَخُونَهَا وَيَأْكُلُونَهَا So they used to uh, cook the donkeys and eat them. وَلَكِنْ جَاءَ النَّهْيُ عَنْهَا مِنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ سَلَّمْ فَأُكْفِيَةِ الْقُدُورِ وَهِيَ تَغْلِي بِلُحُومِهَا وَامْتَنَعُوا مِنْ أَكْلِهَا وَامْتِثَالًا لِنَهْيِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى So when they were cooking the donkeys and eating them whilst they were out in that battle because they ran out of food, then this prohibition came that you cannot have these uh, meat of these donkeys and so they stopped even at the time when they were cooking them, then they stopped and they didn't eat that. فَحُرِّمَتُ الْحُمُرَ الْأَهْلِيَّةِ مِنْ حِينَ إِذِنْ وَأَجْمَعَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ عَلَى تَحْرِيمِهَا And the Muslims, they are agreed upon the impermissibility that uh, they say, إِلَّا مَا يُرْغَى عَنْ عَبْدِ بْنِ عَبَّاسِ That there is a narration from Abdullah ibn Abbas which may uh, indicate otherwise, but we'll come to that here. المسألة الأولى there is an evidence that it is impermissible to eat the meat of the domesticated donkeys. And this is, it's as if it is almost consensus of the scholars. Except maybe what was narrated from Abdullah ibn Abbas, then he was unsure of that. أَمَّا الْجُمْهُورِ فَهُمْ عَلَى تَحْرِيمِ As for the majority, then they are upon the impermissibility. Whereas Ibn Abbas, it's narrated that maybe it was from both angles, but in reality, the majority say it is impermissible. المسألة الثانية وهي التي ساق المصنف الحديث من أجلها And this second issue is the reason why this hadith is here. So pay attention. أَنَّ الْحُمُرُ الْأَهْلِيَّ النَّجِسَةِ That domesticated donkeys are impure. لِقَوْلِهِ فَإِنَّهَا رِجْسِ Because they are impure. وَالْرِجْسِ مَعَنَهُ نَجِسِ فَالْحُمُرُ الْأَهْلِيَّ نَجِسَةِ وَمَا دَامَتْ نَجِسَةِ فَإِنَّ فَضَلَاتُهَا تَكُونُ نَجِسَةِ وَسُؤْرُهَا وَلُعَابُهَا وَرَوْثُهَا وَبَوْلُهَا وَهَذَا مَوْضِعُ الشَّاهِدْ مِنَ الْحَدِيثِ لِلْبَابِ أَنَّ أَرْوَاثُ الْحُمُرُ الْأَهْلِيَّ فَإِذَا وَقَعَ شَيْءٌ مِنْ فَضَلَاتِهَا عَلَى ثَوْبٍ أَوْ بُقْعَةٍ أَوْ بَدًا فَإِنَّهُ يَجِبُ غَصْلُهُ فَيَكُونُ مِنْ جُمْلَةِ النَّجَاسَاتِ الَّتِي يَجِبُ إِزَالَتُهَا This is what the Sheikh mentions, that these domesticated donkeys, they are impure. So their saliva is impure and their uh, other parts of their body that falls off is impure. Uh, their feces is impure, their urine is impure. All of these other things that come out from the donkeys, they are impure. 
So if any of those things fall onto the ground, then you must purify that area before you can use it to pray on. Or if they fall upon your clothing and your body, you must purify that before you can pray. These are one of the types of the impurities that if they fall upon your clothing or body or earth or ground, you must purify it before being able to pray. وَكَذَلِكَ uh, And also the, the remainder of the saliva. If the donkey was to lick water, فَإِذَا شَرِبَتْ مِنْ مَاءٍ وَبَقِيَ بَعْدَهَا شَيْءٌ قَلِيلٌ فَإِنَّهُ نَجِسٌ So if the donkey was to drink from some water, and there was a small amount of water left afterwards, then it is impure. لِأَنَّهُ يُخَالِطُهُ رِيقُهَا وَرِيقُهَا نَجِسٌ Because it's uh, saliva, it will go into that water, and that saliva is impure. So if a donkey drank from that small amount of water, then he wouldn't be able to drink it afterwards or use it. وَكَذَلِكَ إِذَا أَصَابَ بَوْلُهَا أَوْ رَوْثُهَا أَوْ لُعَابُهَا ثَوْبًا أَوْ بُقْعًا يَجِبُ غَصْلُهُ لِأَنَّهَا رَجِسٌ And if the saliva or its, its urine or its feces was to go onto the clothes or the body, you would have to wash it because it is impure. إِنَّمَا يُسْتَثْنَى مَاذَا There is one thing which is an exception. What's the one thing which is an exception from the donkey? Which is not impure, the domesticated donkey. The skin, tongue skin. The tongue skin if it dies. What about when it's alive? Sweat. Sweat. Al-irq. Fal-irq yu'fa anhu. Fa'idha rakibaha al-insan wa'arqat wa'asaba thawbahu min irqiha fa'hada yu'fa anhu. So if a person was riding a donkey and the donkey was sweating, that sweat got into his clothes, that's okay. That's not impure, you don't have to wash that. لأنه ما زال المسلمون من أحد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يركبون الحمر وتعرق ولا يذكر أنهم كانوا يغسلون من عرقها وهذا من باب التيسير على الأمة because it is mentioned from the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم the companions used to ride upon donkeys and the sweat of the donkeys used to go upon them but it is not mentioned at all that any of them ever used to wash that clothing uh, there's a small issue and we'll mention it. Wafil hadith, this is a side point with regards to this hadith, but this is all knowledge and benefit from it. Wafil hadith, lafza mushkila. Wahiya kawluhu inna allaha wa rasuluhu yan hayanikum. Jama'ad damir ma'a annahu sa'asallam naha an thalika fi hadith al-khatib al-lazhi kana yakhtubu anda rasasallam faqal مَنْ يُطِعِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَدْ رَشَدْ وَمَنْ يَعْصِهِمَا فَقَدْ غَوَى فَقَالَ لَهُ بِئْسَ الْخَطِيبِ أَنْتَ قُلْ مَنْ يَعْصِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ يعني نهاه عن قوله من يعصهما مع أنه صلى الله عليه وسلم جمعها في ضمير واحد بقوله هنا ينهيانكم here in this hadith it says, Allah and His Messenger, both of them prohibit. Yanhayanikum, Islamathanna. Both of them, they prohibit you from this. But in another narration, there was a, an individual who was giving a khutbah, and he said that whoever disobeys Allah and His Messenger. But then, uh, the Prophet ﷺ prohibited him from using that damir of dual. He said, instead say, whoever obey, disobeys Allah, and his messenger separately, not to join it together. But in this hadith, is joined together. Whoever disobey uh, that Allah and his messenger have prohibited you from this. Joined together in one word, in one damir uh, uh, in the Arabic language. من العلماء من أجاب عن هذا بأنه من خواص الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم فالرسول له أن يجمع بين ضمير الله وضمير الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم Some of the scholars said that this is something specific to the Prophet That he can join between the damir of Allah and himself in one sentence, in one word, in that way. لَأَنَّهُ أَعْلَمُ بِرَبِّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ أَمَّا غَيْرُهُ فَيُنْهَا عَنْ ذَلِكَ Because he is the most knowledgeable of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And anyone else besides that is prohibited from saying that. وَمِنَ الْعُلَمَا مَنْ يَقُولُ إِنَّ مَقَامَ الْخُطْبَ غَيْرُ مَقَامْ غَيْرِهَا فَالْخَطِيبِ يَجِبُ عَلَيْهِ أَنْ يُفَصَّلْ وَلَا يُجْمِلْ They say that a person who's giving khutbah, it's different. There you have lots of people and commoners and everybody listening. Then you have to make it clear what you mean. Make it clear that you don't mean that the Prophet himself 
gives commandments and himself makes the rulings, the rulings come from Allah. You have to make that clear. But other times, maybe that uh, uh, making it clear to that extent is not uh, a necessity. Uh, so that's the issue with regards to saying Allah and His Messenger, they prohibit you. Just to make it clear, that doesn't mean that the Prophet ﷺ himself makes the rulings. Those rulings come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, through the messenger from the sunnah which is pure and authentic that's the second hadith which indicates the impermissibility and the impurity of domesticated donkeys the final hadith al-hadith al-thalith hadith Amr ibn Kharija qal khatabana rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi mina ala rahila walu'abuha yasilu ala katifay that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was giving a khutbah in mina whilst he was on his camel upon his riding animal and the saliva was dropping down onto my shoulders. Uh, that's the meaning of that is Hajjatul Bida'. When the Prophet ﷺ was doing the farewell Hajj, then he gave this uh, khutbah. وَذَلِكَ فِي يَوْمِ nahar. It was on the day of uh, the slaughtering, the day of Eid. وَفِي هَذِي الْخُطْبَةِ بَيَّنَ لِلنَّاسِ الْعَمَالَ الَّتِي يُؤَدُّونَهَا يَوْمِ الْعِيدِ. And in this speech, the Prophet ﷺ clarified to the people that day the actions that they have to do on the day of slaughtering, on the day of Eid. كَمَا أَنَّهُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ وسلم سَبَقَ أَنْ خَطَبَ فِي عَرَفَاتِ الْخُطْبَةِ الْمَشْهُورَةِ الْعَظِيمَةِ خُطْبَةُ عَرَفَةِ Prior to that, prior to this khutbah that the Prophet ﷺ gave on the day of Eid, in the final farewell hajj, he had already given the famous khutbah on Arafah. Because as you know, there were several khutbahs that the Prophet ﷺ gave in that farewell hajj. It wasn't just one. Uh, some of the, so the scholars have mentioned there were three altogether. في حجة البداع ثلاثة خطبات أو ثلاثة خطب خطبة عرفات وخطبة يوم النحر وخطبة يوم النفر الأول وهو يوم الثاني عشر. فذوا ثري خطبات زول تجدا. The خطبه of عرفة, the خطبه of the day of Eid, and the خطبه of the twelfth day, on the day when you can leave after the stoning if you are wishing to leave. وتسمى هذه الخطب and these addresses, these speeches of the Prophet ﷺ in the farewell Hajj. Are known as khutb hajjat al bidah. They are known as the khutbas of the farewell hajj. So here, the Prophet ﷺ was giving that khutbah whilst he was on his camel, and the companion he narrates that he was holding on to the camel of the Prophet ﷺ, and the saliva it was coming down. Amr ibn Kharija radiyallahu an. So he says, وَلُعَابُهَا يَسِيلُ عَلَى كَتِفَيْ هَذَا مَحَلُّ الشَّاهِدْ مِنَ الْحَدِيثِ فَفِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى طَهَارَةِ الْإِبْلِ حَيْثُ إِنَّ اللُعَابَ النَّاقَةِ وَاللُعَابُ وَالْرِيقِ يَسِيلُ عَلَى كَتِفِ عَمْرِ بْنِ خَارِجَةِ وَالرَّسُولُ سَلَمَ يَرَاهُ وَلَمْ يَأْمُرْهُ بِغَسْلِهِ فَدَلَّ عَلَى طَهَارَتِهِ So when Amr ibn Kharija was holding the camel of the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ was sat on top of it giving the khutbah. The saliva of the camel was falling down onto his shoulders. And the Prophet ﷺ could see that. But he never commanded Amr ibn Kharija to have to go and make ghusl from that saliva. So that indicates the saliva of the camel is pure. فَالْإِبْلْ طَاهِرَ Camels, they are pure. وَكُلُّ مَا يُؤْكَلْ لَحْمُهُ مِنَ الْإِبْلْ وَالْبَقَرِ وَالْغَنَمْ فَهُوَ طَاهِرَ And everything that you can eat, it's meat. Camels and cows and sheep, then they are pure. بَلْ كُلُّ فَضَلَاتٍ مَا يُؤْكَلُ بَلْ كُلُّ فَضَلَاتٍ مَا يُؤْكَلُ لَحْمُهُ طَاهِرًا Everything that even comes out of those animals that you can eat, they are permissible to eat like camels and sheep and goat, everything that comes off them and out of them is pure also. مِنْ لُعَاب Their saliva is pure. What about their urine and their feces? Is urine and feces pure? The urine and the feces of the animals that you can eat. Camels and sheep and goats and cows. What do you think? They are pure, correct. The purifying issue, that's separate, you're right. But they are pure. In, uh, they are pure. The, the items themselves are pure. Min lu'abin wa bawlin wa rawthin wa maniyin. All of these things that come from the the al-ibl wal-baqar wal-ghanam, cows and uh, uh, camels and cows and sheep, 
then they are all pure. All of these things that come from them, they are poor. Even, even, even the urine, even the feces, all these things, they are pure. So if you got some urine on your clothes from a sheep, then it's not impure. It's not impure. If you got something like that on your clothes, it's not impure. Uh, who can think of another evidence that the urine of these animals is not impure? Drinking, drinking the urine of a camel. It is a, it is a hadith. It is mentioned. It is permissible. There's a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ, he commanded some people that they can do that. That they can drink from the urine of a camel. It's pure. It's not impure. The animals that you can eat, their meat, the things that come from them, they are pure also. The hadith is a Sahih Muslim. Authentic hadith, no doubt about it. وَهَذَا وَجْهُ إِرَادِ الْمُسَنِّفِ لِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ فِي بَابِ النَّجَاسَةِ أَنَّ فِيهِ دَلَالَةً عَلَى أَنَّ الْإِبْلَ طَاهِرَةٌ وَأَنَّ رِيقَهَا طَاهِرَةٌ وَأَنَّ فَضَرَاتُهَا طَاهِرَةٌ وَأَنَّ فَضَرَاتِهَا طَاهِرَةٌ إِذَا أَصَابَتِ الثَّوْبُ الْبَدْنِ أَوْ الْبُقْعَةِ فَإِنَّهَا لَا تُؤَثِّرُ Meaning that if the urine of the sheep or the camel it fell on the floor, it's still pure. That area, if it, you just move it about or something and you were to pray on it, it's pure. There's nothing wrong with that. Camels and sheep and cows, they are not impure. That's the purpose of this hadith, to indicate to you that uh, these animals are pure, there's no problem with them. But the previous hadith tells you domesticated donkeys are impure. And the previous hadith to that tells you that alcohol, as the majority of the scholars they say, is impure. That's those narrations up to there. Uh, And we'll have to conclude the remainder next time, it's uh, too long to complete now. Uh, it will take one more lesson. The next lesson, inshallah, will speak about liquids that exit from the humans. Different types of liquids that exit from humans, like urine and semen and those types of things. Are they pure, impure? How do you have to wash them? All those issues will be discussed next time, like the blood of a menstruating woman or the urine of a, a, a person. These types of things, are they pure, impure? What do you have to do if you get something on your clothes? Those are the issues that we'll discuss next time and how to remove that impurity. Uh, and for now, we'll conclude upon that point. Something mentioned by the brother Musa Richardson. He says, it is important to differentiate between khamar and alcohol. And that's why actually we kept saying intoxicants also, to understand this. But here we'll read this too now. The substance called alcohol is of three types. That which is deadly, this is the first type. The type which is deadly, if you consume it. If the sisters can uh, try to be quiet, there's a small section we need to conclude. Just to mention the different types of alcohol. Uh, The first type which is deadly, if you consume it, you will die or you will become seriously ill. This is considered as a poison. And it is permissible to buy, sell, transport or use it, but not to consume it. You can use it as a mouthwash or perfume, or bug spray, uh, but not in foods and drinks. The second type is the one which intoxicates when consumed, even if it's a little bit or a lot, a little of it or a lot. That is considered as khamar, the one that intoxicates. And it is not permissible to buy, sell, transport, consume. And that is the fatawa mentioned concerning khamar. That's above, if you uh, read the text, we'll give you the link at the end. Uh, the third one is that which does not intoxicate no matter how much of it is consumed. Then this is not khamar and it is halal. Like the small amounts of alcohol found in food and drinks that we eat every day. This is permissible to buy, sell, transport, use and consume. So if the type of alcohol used in medicine is type number three, then you may use it. If it is type number one or two, then you may not use it. And Allah knows best. This is learnt from uh, Sheikh Muhammad Bazmoul, who narrated it from Sheikh Al-Allama Al-Albani, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. So they mentioned that there's three types. One which is deadly. That type is like a poison. You can use that type for mouthwash. You can use it for uh, bug spray to kill insects and things, or even for perfume, but not in food and drinks. It's poisonous, it's dangerous. 
That type you cannot use it in food and drinks, but for other things you can use it. Mouthwash and sprays and these things. The second type is the intoxicating type. That is the one which is khamar and it is impermissible. The third type is the type which does not intoxicate whatever, however much you drink or eat. That is like the small amounts that you find in food and drink. And that is okay also. So then, if it's number one or number two, the poisonous or the deadly type, or the intoxicating type, which is in the medicines, then you cannot use it. If it's this third type, then it's okay. And uh, you should refer back to this uh, post. Inshallah, we'll print this out. We will print this article out about this alcohol. And inshallah, we'll uh, give it to everyone also. So we'll conclude upon that point now, inshallah.